Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner, and the match that we'll be getting into this week is 2001's Ocean's Eleven versus 1975's Dog Day Afternoon. Keenan, how are you doing today? Not bad. Excited for the, the return. I was going to say, two weeks out, the last episode we did ended in frosty circumstance, so I don't know if people thought you'd uh, gone on I strike. Oh, no. No, no, you just, you just annoyed me. I felt particularly evening. Well, over we'll it, all water under the bridge. We'll see how we go today. I've got some interesting questions for you, and uh, I have, I did text you a question in advance. So uh, yeah, I forgot to answer it. All right, well, I, I partially answered it. But I've got some answers, so we'll we'll discuss that later. Um, news of the week, as always. I've got some things to get your thoughts on, and quite topical actually. So. An Ocean's Eleven prequel is in the works with Margot Robbie and Jay Roach is to direct. I always wanted them to make a prequel. Yeah, this is going to be basically they're going to do like the original. All all they know at the moment is Margot Robbie is going to star in it. Yeah, I always wanted them to do a prequel because I wanted to know what was Danny Ocean doing to become Danny Ocean in the first. Obviously in this he's already... A world-renowned thief. Yeah, I don't know if when they say prequel, I think they're going all the way back to like uh, the Frank Sinatra. Like this is supposed to be set in the sixties. Okay, all right, fair enough. But it's literally just a byline at the moment, so I'm sure plenty could change. Uh, One for the two of us. Mad Max Five is still being planned, says director George Miller. Yeah, funny enough, I won't be watching that. So. Um, they're still shooting that one with uh, Charlize Theron, which seems to have been going on for God knows how be, long. That would be Mad Max 5 now. No, that'll be 4, and it's being classed as a prequel. There'll be one after. Oh, right. So, no, that would be the fifth film, though, because there's three Mad Maxes. Okay, well, they're, they're the other one then. They're not they're calling it a Mad a Max one because it's a prequel, yeah. Okay, and then they're calling that Mad Max 5. Yeah. But that will be the fifth film because Mel Gibson yeah, did okay. three of them, didn't they? Yeah, I. I I tuned all Mad Max out of my head after we did the first episode. I never want to see it ever again. No. Uh, despite almost everything else he's involved in being cancelled, Will Smith's Bad Boys 4 is still moving ahead at Sony. Will I watch it? Yeah. Will I enjoy it? More than likely. <laughs> Do I think it's a good idea? Not particularly. Martin Lawrence bless his art he's one of the funniest people one of the funniest people to have lived in my lifetime but he looks so out of shape in bad boys for life it's just it's no good they might get him on the desk or something right it, it, a, I think they've done it obviously for comedian purposes but there's one where he gets there's a shot where he gets out of the car <laughs> and he, like, he like dings the door fucking out I, the first time I watched it in the cinema this sound like a lot of bad boys I even went to the cinema for it and I was like, close me if they put a fat suit on him. And then about five minutes later, you figure out, no, they haven't. I thought he was trying to bring back Big Mama's house. Uh, I know neither of us are the smallest of gentlemen. And true, very true. I know uh, early on when I realised the direction I was going, one of the first points is um, 
when someone's reversing into a parking space and you always think, am I going to have enough room to get out of here? No, mate, it's, it's, it's dangerous because if you judge it too late, the embarrassment of it goes for it, just get us back out of the second <laughs> not, not nice. Not, <laughs> I not usually nice. say, like, do you want me to get out first before you pull in? Yeah. Oh, no, no, it should be all right. And it's like, no, no, I probably should. <laughs> no, no, I'll just, I'll go. It's, it's, it's not for you, so no. No, no, completely agree. Um, no, that's a very fair point. Uh, Law Abiding Citizen 2 is happening with the original writer and Gerard Butler to produce. You say you can't fucking start on it. No, they, there's, from what I was reading, there's no confirmation yet as to whether kind of any of the original cast will be returning or if it'll kind of be in the same timeline where it's inspired by the events or if it's just going to be someone else kind of taking the law into their own hands but I, I imagine they'll do enough from the audience I, they previously had I think it's going to be a complete and utter bomb I, I don't know because this is one of those where if you simply read the reviews you would think everyone hates it but then even with how ridiculous parts are I'm yet to hear anyone say a really bad word about it sensational film mate and i think that's why it's going to i think it'll do it'll do money don't get me wrong but like you say it will be because if it comes will i watch it absolutely again i think it's a terrible idea i just think they won't they won't they'll never recreate anything like that first film that was there's a shock factor in that it's like nothing i'd ever seen before i think that's and i know that sounds dramatic but i do actually think remember thinking it at the time i was like i've never seen anything like that before I think it's they'll so good. I think they'll go big on the produced by Gerard Butler and hope that that kind of coaxes enough people in thinking he's starring, or maybe even they'll do a flashback scene. And so in the press run, you can say, "What was it like getting back into character again?" Blah blah blah. Despite maybe. him really having no no part in the film. Very very possibly. I just think I don't think they'll ever recreate that because I no. I was. Oh wait, I saw it. I wasn't old yeah. enough to be watching that film, but oh, I saw it at the it, same time. though it just like it was like I say, it was just like nothing I'd ever seen. It came out of nowhere. It it, it like, actually just came out of nowhere, and like it was like wow, this is amazing, and it really was. I think it's probably got more chance of doing better now because. For the first time in a while, like I looked at the the slate of films for this summer, it's as bad a lineup in cinemas as I can remember there being. So if this is kind of a thing that's going to be catching on, people don't really need much to go back into nostalgia. Like the fact they've made Sonic the Hedgehog one of the most successful films of the year, when the target audience are kids that have never played Sonic the Hedgehog. There is enough that you can do with, See, with, just... thing, with things like that, though. Your target audience isn't the children, your target audience is the parents. Or by enough, then surely there's enough people that are going to go and see Laura by the Citizen 2. I, I said, I said, I think it would do numbers. I said, oh, I, I thought you said it's going to bomb. I thought by bomb, no, no, you I, meant I, no, no, I meant is in the actual film. No, money wise, I think you're oh, okay, you said, okay. Like you said, I completely agree with you. I think there'll be enough of an audience who love the first one enough to go and see it. I'm certainly one of them. I don't see yeah. it. I don't think they'll capture no, it's, 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 uh, that first film. I don't think it will be anywhere near as good. I just don't think they'll just don't think they'll be able to do it. I think it was so yeah. unique and of its own style that I just, just don't think you will. 
One of the news Sorry, of the week we had last week was Judd Apatow again saying, like, you know, I'd love to do Superbad 2. I don't know why they all don't. And Jonah Hill's like, look, I'll do it. Almost like at the end of my career, Seth Rogen has no interest in it. And Michael Sarah pretty much says, well, look, I mean, I'd do it. I, I've pretty much got an interest in just working with all of those group of people again. And so you probably don't need to do Law Abiding Citizen 2. You can probably just market it as... Gerard Butler and Jamie Foxx are teaming up again, and you've probably got enough juice there to get something going, but yeah, I don't no, know. No, 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 there's too no, much no, money. Yes, there is, yeah, to, to by using the name. No, I, I agree. I just, I think there are certain films, there are certain films that just don't need a sequel or don't need yeah, anything else to, attached to it. I understand that's not how the world works. I complete, I find fair enough, because you are, like you say, you're looking to capitalise, you've got something that you can make money out of to do it. But from like a cinematic viewpoint, or as maybe it makes me sound snob, it makes me sound a bit of a snob for the sake of the art of it. Just let it be. Let well, it, we were, let we were it having a similar conversation about Gladiator Two about three weeks yeah. ago. It, it's an issue when you're rebooting a film and you've killed off the guy that everyone tuned in to see. Like as good as Jamie Fox is, that was a Gerald Butler film, and yeah. same as it's a Russell Crowe film for Gladiator. Like. If that yeah. person isn't there, look, you're at least going to lose some of the audience. But anyway, uh, we'll see what happens. I'm sure more news will come out uh, pretty soon. S- the Stranger Things four finale will be a, a feat. Will be the length of a feature film over two hours long. Do you think TV should ever be that length? Well, they make TV movies, so I suppose so. This, if you look at the other episodes, like an hour and a half isn't out of the question for this final season. I've never seen a single episode of it, by the way. So I'm not. No, well, no, I assume you wouldn't. That's why I kind of asked the broader question of TV oh, being oh. that long. Well, did you assume I haven't seen it? Uh, it just doesn't strike me as something that you would watch if I had up. You don't like Star Wars. You don't like Harry Potter. Uh, it never intrigues me. It's, a, it's a um, thing based on like Dungeons and Dragons slash oh, the Goonies, so... Yeah, fuck that, I'm alright. Um, putting well, on I TV is ultimately... Gonna, sorry. If you're ever going to do it... I don't know, it sounds like such a cop-out, but if you're ever going to do it, let it be that last episode. Once you've done your run, if everyone loves it, the last one, just have a bit of fun with it. Just play with it, but do what you want. Multiple episodes in this series are over an hour long. Some things are, though. It's not the point of TV, though. Like, I don't have time to watch a film. I'll put an episode of a TV show on. If you've got multiple episodes that are 90 minutes plus, that feels like an issue to me. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. I suppose it depends what you want from it. And I suppose it also it, It's going to be successful. <laughs> it depends massively on how good it is. Yeah. It's, well, it's the same with films. Isn't it? It, it, like, if you love a film, you'll sit through it. But if you're struggling and it's tedious and you think, fucking this is shite. You're not going to do it, are you? Especially over eight episodes. If that's eight times 90, 720. Yeah. What's that, 12 hours? Are yeah. Devoting 12 hours to your life of it if it's no good. My thinking is that, um, one, they didn't think they were going to get this far with it. And so you've got a film that's largely based around the characters being kids. And they aren't really kids anymore. Like numerous members of that cast are now turning 18, 19. So you're probably thinking, we don't have time to wait and do another season. Let's get all the juice out while we can. Possibly. I don't know. Uh, it'll be successful, I'm, really, I'm sure of that. Really, it was really big for Netflix, wasn't it? 
Yeah, yeah. And I think it started like 10 years ago, something mad like that. So, Um, I may just be completely wrong there, but I feel like in a year of 2012 was like. like Now, they wouldn't have been eight actually when it was starting. So, it's probably like what, seven, six, seven years maybe? Oh, I don't know, mate. Honestly, not. It's been around a while. Finally, I was going to ask your thoughts. So Marvel Studios have just completed a deal to use Stan Lee's likeness for the next 20 years. Do you think once the man's uh, died, like... Let him be. He gave, fucking gave enough to the world, let him be. Instead, you're kind of just using him for a cheap no, pop hey. in the cinema to get people clapping. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. There's going to be no substance to it. I mean, in his advanced age, in any of the Marvel films, he just pops up the he? It was just, always fun and it was always a smile seeing him, but were you that? I'm sure the plan might well be people. Right, were you ever that bothered about it? No, it was a cool thing to look out for yeah, once I mean. you kind of knew it was happening. Seeing, and seeing once it became a thing, but I wasn't sat there for the for the two hours thinking, oh, where's Big Stan? No, you've got that but, little um, like roller they do before the pre-credits, don't you? For the opening scene credits where they kind of loop through a load of characters and it flashes up, say, a Marvel at the end. Just have his face be like the final thing on that roll. Uh, yeah. Or even even every film you could do a inspired by the works of Stan Lee, dedicated to Stan Lee. Ugh, yeah. I don't need. I know no, his family. Like what what choice do you have at that point? Like if he hasn't said anything against it, maybe you're stuck in a hard place. I don't know. It just it's a weird one for me. Yeah, just let it be like you say because it's, it's not done going to be done with any substance. That's that's what annoys me about it. It's not going to be, it's going to be like in some, one of them, he pops up his working in a restaurant or some shit like that. It's yeah. Like, come on, mate. It, I don't think you need it. No. Actually, uh, it takes away from, Joey said it was a cool thing knowing he was there. Yeah. Knowing it's quite clearly not him actually takes away from that. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite depressing when someone doesn't actually have to be in a film to be in a film. And I yeah. find that with Star Wars as it is. Um, with there just doing the kind of de-aging thing and we saw the good and bad of it with the Irishman um there we go let's start then with Ocean's 11 what i'm about to propose to you is both highly lucrative and highly dangerous you want to knock over a casino 150 million without breaking a sweat smash and grab job huh slightly more complicated than that oh yeah he'll kill you and then i'll go to work on you Scared? The 2001 classic, if you simply Google the film, I've seen it described as the most rewatchable film of all time. It's, it's largely popular one. I've rarely heard anyone say a bad word about, despite this being my first time watching it. So, the synopsis, Danny Ocean and his ten accomplices plan to rob three Las Vegas casinos simultaneously. Having said all that, what do you think the critics thought? Big fans. As fast-paced, witty and entertaining as it is star-studded and coolly stylish, Ocean's Eleven offers a well-seasoned serving of popcorn entertainment. It's a compulsively rewatchable, funny, exciting, and altogether fun movie. One of the best of director Steven Soderbergh's career. One of the greatest dessert courses in contemporary cinema. Don't even know what that means. There's a... 
I don't know what was going on in 2001, but like almost all of the reviews I saw were like food related. I mean, I'm about to continue it. I don't is know. It because, is it because Brad Pitt is eating in every scene? Yeah, maybe. Um, we're not talking desserts. Yeah, we're not talking about reinventing the genre here. This is just a Big Mac and fries of a movie, and those movies, like the food, hit the spot, especially when you're hungover. There's a hangover film for you. Yeah, I've watched this hangover more than once. <laughs> uh, finally, it's a giant ice cream cake of a movie that tickles the pleasure centers of your brain, restoring the good name of large-scale, old-fashioned Hollywood entertainment. I always think of this. Weird, I always think of this as being almost like old Hollywood. I don't know if it's because it's a remake or something with the rap, with the rap packing, but I always do think of it. I've said to you, I believe I've said to you many a time before that I think George Clooney and Brad Pitt were the last two movie stars. What definitely, I've got, I've definitely said this to you before. Something to ask you on movie. that because I think a lot of the opening of this film does weigh does weigh on that. By the way, I think that's the smoothest I've got those critics reviews out in a while. So expect me to be at least bumbling over one word next week. Trivia will kind of go through this again. We'll split it up. So. I thought it was interesting that the Bellagio let the film crew tap into their security systems to get real surveillance footage of the casino. That feels like something they definitely wouldn't be doing. No, they wouldn't be doing it, mate. But I, cyber security, etc., was a fucking different ballpark 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not the world. The world was wholly different 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, just a couple of goofs almost to get out of the way because I don't think it's one that you're supposed to take as seriously as perhaps, say, I don't know, hell or high water that we've done within this bracket or even heat. Um, the total heist would weigh too much to actually carry out of the building. The US Treasury has the weight of one million at £22. So if you multiply that by 163 and the total weight from the heist would be £3,586. So each con man would have had to carry £326 worth of money out of the casino. 600 kilo on it. No, 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 he could do that. £2.2 in a kilo. £326 each. I know, it's a lot. Some it, of them, some of them were barely standing. I know, yeah, I can't see Elliot Gould knocking it over and I can't remember the other gentleman's name. But point being, a couple of them are getting away with that. Great shape. He's getting away with that, mate. But you wouldn't be moving, you wouldn't be moving quick. Don't get me wrong. Like, <laughs> I'm sure that I don't know. I I like. I'm sure there are people who can carry one sixty on their shoulder. If if I mention this now and then, maybe you can te- you can answer the question later. Mm. One of the other things that pointed out is that Rusty informs Benedict that he's being robbed, and reveals on the security cameras that there's men in the vault, which we now know is a pre-recorded video, but. Once he's up with the SWAT team in the vault, uh, he doesn't ever ask where the burglars are that have been apprehended. And he doesn't have any questions right up until they've actually walked away with all of the cash. Like, there's no explanation of how the burglars that he saw on the security cameras could have possibly escaped the vault. Mm. That's just one we're just not supposed to ask about. I think so. It's a fairly big one, like the others... That I read, like I I wasn't worth taking down. I know, but uh, it's it's one of these. It's not played to be serious, is it? 
No, just... and yes, you are right, and it is quite a big hole in it. But I don't know. I just this is one of these. This is what it is. Yeah. Um, well, the film could have been very different. Kind of like the Hangover. Actually, is probably the best comparison in terms of the casting and what different oh, right. directions like this could have taken. Um, Matt Damon's part as Linus Coldwell was initially meant for Mark Wahlberg, who turned down the role in order to star in the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, they're both Boston guys. It's, it's going to be fairly similar. When you can find an interview with Mark Wahlberg about this, and he does seem very bitter about, <laughs> one, the fact that Planet of the Apes bombed, and all of the stories, I've taken down some of them. It sounds like they just had like the best time in the world while yeah, filming this. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds mint. It, like, it um, sounds like this is a set you want to be on. Mark there's, Wahlberg, a of, there's a lot of mint personalities here. I always imagine yeah. George Clooney to be a pretty decent guy. Yeah, he's meant to be mainly, quite a prankster. Mainly because of that story. Don't need to turn it out, but that story about when he, uh, yeah. he took 11 of his mates and just gave them a <laughs> each. Unbelievable story. And was like, yeah, look, if you don't all take it, none of you are getting it. Um, Brad Pitt always seemed like a fairly decent bloke. You might correct me if I'm, you know any different. No, no, Matt, I've never Matt heard Bain, anything. Barring a few bad choices in with uh, <laughs> some vernacular over the years. He's always struck me as a fairly okay bloke. Scott Kahn, always seen cool. Elliot Gould seems like he'd be mint. Wahlberg, when it, when he was asked about it, he said, well, yeah, look, looking back, the film did bomb. He was like, but what was I supposed to do? Just sit around in Vegas, carrying George Clooney's jockstrap and patting him on the back for a couple of weeks. Like that's, That doesn't seem like me in just the most bitter way he could possibly be saying it. Matt Damon got three films out of it. Yeah, uh, he's, oh, yeah, he does very much seem like... Matt Damon then does... He does Bourne after this. Yeah, and he's coming off Not round, he's so going into it. Yeah, and Goodwill and I mean, he's just having a great time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Luke Wilson and Owen Wilson were supposed to play the brothers Virgil and Turk, but dropped out to film the Royal Tenenbaums. They did pretty well out of that. Could you imagine those two? like Luke possibly as the nerdier of the whose name I can never remember the brunette if you will the dark haired yeah. one uh, can I see Owen Wilson as Scott Khan no he's not called on because what I've got down and the thing I'm going to do will do later is kind of if you were casting this film today and yeah. as much as it is billed as a film with like the most star power you're ever going to see in Hollywood they were quite careful with it like you don't have Brad Pitt as one of those guys like no. As much as they're recognisable faces, they aren't too recognisable faces. And do you think Owen Wilson, even then, maybe is a bit too much? Like the whole point of those two characters is we're not supposed to draw too much attention to them. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. He's not really given much scope for any kind of comedic action either, which I feel like if no. you're getting Owen Wilson, like at least give the man <laughs> some space. Yeah, let him drop a couple of one-liners or something, uh, like classic Alanis. Because they're the um, ones I actually thought were the hardest to kind of recast, and we'll do that in a little yeah. bit. But it, these days, it seems like, I feel like at some point as an actor, you're almost all in, whereas I don't really can't really think of a time where like Scott Kahn is like that guy. So he kind of fits into this role. He's always going to be able to, be able to fit into that role. Yeah, I understand that. Probably be um, someone from like TV now if you were kind of sending them I across. Think so. I think so. That's, uh, sort of, that's sort of what it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Bruce Willis was originally cast as Danny Ocean, but had to pull out due to scheduling conflicts. Becomes a very different film, doesn't it? Yeah. Although I suppose he did uh, 
did a couple of things. Did the whole nine yards where he plays something a little bit funnier. Um, did the sequel to that, I suppose. So maybe it's there. He's kind of, but, uh, he plays everything a lot more hard-nosed, though, doesn't he? And since yeah. he was John McClane, there's no escaping that, so he doesn't try to. Um, no. With Clooney, he's kind of, uh, he has that the air of... man on the planet. Yeah, just a guy who could kind of like turn up and ace the test with without doing his homework and yeah. doesn't I think if, if George Clooney has a shaved head and he's bulked up a bit and not that Bruce Willis is kind of stacked like that, but they don't have the same vibe coming off them. No, they don't. Like Clooney is well, like I say, just every time you see him he strikes me as even in this somehow, and this is with Brad Pitt and a few others. You always think he's the cool, the coolest bloke in the world. Yeah, I'm going to ask you about him in just a moment because no, I do sure. think it's, as you said, it's a very different film without him. I think everyone else, not that you'd want to take them out, but he's the last one I, I would take out. The only one I would possibly, and I don't even know, I actually don't think I would after all the, this this many times seeing this film. But if you'd have asked me this when I first watched it, no, I'd have heard it. If I was watching it for the first time now, I think my my answer would be get rid of Don Cheadle for that horrendous. Copy yeah, action. no, I I mean, like if you were but, doing it, the last person you'd replace would be. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, but he, Don. If I was watching it for the first time now, maybe it's your answer. Don Cheadle would have been top of my list. Well, I've let me seen tell you this. So many times. <laughs> yeah. I now just love his horrifically bad Cockney accent. Well, he actually goes uncredited in this film despite the role he does play he he had a major dispute with the studio over his billing he said that he deserved over the title billing alongside Clooney Damon and Brad Pitt so when they refused he said well don't credit me at all then Ocean's 12 and Ocean's 13 he, he does get above title billing but they go all in then don't they and literally everyone's names on the poster Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure about that shout. I mean, well, fair play if, for backing yourself. Yeah, if if you if you put him on the poster, then you best be putting like Andy Garcia on the poster, and you best be putting everyone else in that crew. Andy Garcia is fantastic in this film. Yeah, so you're not putting Cheadle on there above him, like all respect. No, no, it's just bold. It's bold. But like, yeah, no, I deserve top villain. Um, his his accent, by the way, he admits. Within about a week of filming, he knew it wasn't good and he wanted to change it. He was told no. When they greenlit the sequel, he said, please, can you let me change the accent? Like, I know it's not good. And I think he was well aware he was being cooked for it. He was told no, you've you got to keep it the same. Well, it'd be weird. <laughs> In the second one, he's just talking like himself. Well, I, I've not seen the second, obviously, and I do plan to watch them. Is there not a part where they tell him almost do an American accent and so yes, they give yes. him an out there? Yeah, they do, yeah. Um, and Bruce Willis uh, gets a cameo in the sequel as well, doesn't he? He does, as uh, oh, as Bruce Willis. Yeah, I, I've, as I said, not seen them. I saw a debate online today that Ocean's 13 is better than Ocean's 11. And twelve seems to be the one where people are like, so there's so many oh, saying it's not as good boy. as the others that it's kind of now called say, underrated. So twelve is Andy Garcia's in that one again. A little certain something happens. Thirteen is uh, with Big L. 
and I don't know if you've seen Ocean's 8. I have, yeah. So in there, don't they just say that Danny Ocean's dead and they just kind of brush that off? They, so he's, and then you get to the end and she's like, oh, I don't know if he's dead. Oh, yeah. She goes to the grave. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I wonder where you are. So if they ever wanted to chuck it back in. Yeah. Which I think if Ocean's 8 would have done a lot, or would have They'd been have carried it on rather than go I, I think, I think they might have tried to entice him back. Yeah. Instead, um, they're going a different direction. Read something with George Clooney not long ago, probably about six, nine months ago, and he was saying like about they were like, oh, you're behind the camera a lot more, and he was just like, yeah, no, I've gotten older, maybe I'm not that leading guy now. Looking at a photo of him, by the way, he looked fucking unbelievable. I he's said like, this, yeah, do you know, and I was like, oh, he was like, oh yeah, no, I'm a bit older now, I'm better off being behind the camera, while still just looking ridiculous. Yeah, I I said to my mum on on the way home today that if you look at the two of them, uh, him and Brad Pitt, and you look at them now, like the difference is so little, it's it's horrible. Like we are not going to be aging like that. No, 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 no. It's just, I don't know. I just think you're you're just genetically blessed, aren't you? There. And financially blessed, which helps. No, I don't know how much weight they've had done, but maybe a little. No, but I mean, even. Oh, just in real moisturizers. Their moisturizers are, di- are different to our moisturizers and so on. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. Let's talk about George Clooney, though, because it's not an original take. He's, he's, him as an actor, he's always brought a level of kind of charm to his characters. And that's why, whether you think he was good or not, he's cast as Batman. Um, do you think the character of Danny Ocean should be as charming as he's perceived to be. Like if you were to reel off a list of the most charming movie characters ever, I don't feel like Danny Ocean has any kind of one outstanding thing uh, that he does. Like he's not overly nice. He's not particularly um, like he's the chat that he's doing with. I know it's only testing this one is nothing James Bond style. If anything, it's just a level of control that he has um, is that the oh. ultimate slickness, really? Because he doesn't do anything this else abnormal. Is broken down in the film. Wait, is it broken down in this one? Or is it broken down in this one? I don't think it's broken down in this one, unless I mean I've watched the majority of it twice over this week. In one of them, they are giving Matt Damon a lesson on what he needs, what he needs to be. It might be Ocean's Twelve. So the the pep talk they give Matt Damon in this is how to be confident and do that but not so much on being slick that's when they're talking to him is about being the, the Nevada Gaming Commission is it the be memorable but be memorable but not yeah, too memorable yeah. yeah yeah that's that's what that's basically what it is that's why Danny Ocean is who he is because he's all of those things and that's what makes you a good common like you say he's not 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 in your face well, I'm not even talking about him being a con man I'm talking about uh we based a film around him and George Clooney is a charming actor that's his kind of, that's what he portrays in this he sold as being this kind of man like he's the guy everyone turns to and he just doesn't have any of the standard tropes i would associate with that kind of character but it still works like i don't know if it's he's just steve finnan seven <laughs> out of ten across the board in this film we don't get any real backgrounds on the majority of the characters we see Clooney to open the film we then see uh, Rusty and they go around getting their team with very little background story if an example like the Avengers the 2012 one they spent like an hour and a half introducing about five characters in this I don't know if you would agree 
because we know the kind of character George Clooney is, because we know the kind of character Brad Pitt is, and ultimately the characters they are in this film are just an extension of what we perceive them to be as people, you don't really need to fill in many blanks because it's not adding anything to the film. I know a George Clooney character. I know a Brad Pitt character. And as we said, I know a Bruce Willis character. You're not asking any of them to be anything that they've never been before. So you don't really need to tell us that they are. Because it's very quick to assemble 11 members of a, of a team. And it's, it's not, it's not rushed, but we don't get this guy. He, if say Matt Damon's character, you don't have a scene of him as a kid. He pickpockets someone. He realizes how easy it is, and then you see him growing up. You don't see one of the other characters kind of making their money early on, and this is why he dislikes him, and this and that. They give you what you need. You fill in the blanks with who you've got there already. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. That's just that's that's fair enough. You know. Sorry, Lord. Sorry, somewhat differently, but I understand your point. Because also, we're we're sold that uh, Ocean is above Brusty in the pecking order. They're the top two guys, but mm-hmm. yes, Danny's Ocean, Yeah, he says at one point, doesn't he? This is my job, and I didn't know if just the fact that these are the top two guys, and then the, even just the fact that you're almost above Brad Pitt in that scenario gives you a subconscious sense of superiority uh, maybe i mean yeah there's not many lists on the planet where i would rank above brad put behind maybe weight and height that's about it it was like any character of this cast if one of them was telling brad pitt what to do it automatically holds a bit more weight just because of the kind of character he usually plays and what we think of him in the roles that he does have so i don't know if that again helps with you don't really need to fill anything in. There's no moment of him saying, look, I'm the one in charge here. We just kind of assume that to be the case. Yeah, well, there's no it's, there's no chat between them saying, look, I'm big boss man, but it's the way it plays out. Yeah. Brad Pitt is always looking to him. Because do you think us getting a 10-minute background for every character adds anything to the film, or, or in fact, do you think it would take away? No, I love the pace. I, the reason this film, I like this film so much, is it's easy, but it's paced so well, man. Yeah, uh, it's quick, was, it's snappy. I was going to ask you. I wrote down in my notes while watching that it's fast-paced without being fast-paced. Like it gets to the it's point smooth. quickly in every part without giving you um, like a real sense of danger, a car chase, anything like that. Like the most tense I felt in the whole film is when Dell was setting up the CCTV. And the security guard goes in after him and then he comes back out and he's trying to get through the door. And the director did say that was a conscious effort that he wanted it to be one of the easiest films you could ever watch. He doesn't want you really caught up in a sense of danger in this. He just wants you to enjoy the ride. Mm. Yeah, because no, there isn't a moment where anything really goes wrong, is there? The the closest moment we have to anything going wrong is... Um, when we think briefly that Danny's been caught going after Tess and he's off the job. Yeah. Yeah. There's little bits as they're trying to figure it out and they're trying to work out how, who's going to do what, how's going to do what. The closest it gets to going wrong is a sewage problem, is a problem with pipes. 
yeah, that's literally solved. Like he yeah, explains the problem and then goes, Oh, actually. Actually, I think we can do this. Can we get older one? And they somehow fortunately managed to have one in Vegas. Um Yeah. But yes, no, no. But it is like you say, it is fast paced without being frantic. But somehow I think it that adds to what we're saying. You use the word slick. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how probably, I think. It adds the fact that the film is slick somehow adds to the character being slick. Yeah, it's like if if I was to ask you to sell, like, tell me what a fast paced film is, or if I asked you to just list me fast paced films, I would assume the majority of them are going to be riddled with fight scenes with very little dialogue, or it's going to be a number of car chases, or it's going to be something like that. Whereas this doesn't really do any of that. Even just seeing them set up the heists. It's it's quick, even when you're just Maybe explaining as to how things are going to be done. Yeah, like I think it's smooth. It's always moving. It's always working. Yeah. Everything is oiled. It's just it moves well. There's nothing jarring. There's no slowdown randomly. Like you said, there are scenes where it's just conversations, but it's the way the conversations happen at a pace. I'd like to know how many. I'm assuming Pitt and Clooney and Damon even were cast off just the back of who they were. I'd like to know how many they had reading for some of the smaller parts because the chemistry is fantastic for a cast of 11 people. Everyone's on for just the right amount of screen time. It's, have you ever played in the NBA games? Yeah. So when you have to like order the minutes on the GM mode for your team and decide who's doing what, the minutes everyone gets here are genuinely spot on. Because we're, we, we're happy to watch every single one of these characters. There's not one character that when they're on screen, you're like, come on, no, get me back to a Brad Pitt scene. No. And I think that helps in, in how it flows as well. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Yes, you do. As an ensemble, they, they work brilliantly. Do you think the fact that you've got people from numerous generations here helped with the marketing of the film or just getting the word out about the film because I was looking at the ages when I was trying to do a kind of like a modern cast and you do have people in their thirties, forties, fifties and sixties while doing this. So I've got to imagine you're ticking off a lot of boxes because it's almost like the most popular people in each one of those brackets. Oh, no comment. And I don't mean this nasty. The two, I don't, I know Elliot Gould, don't know. I I like him. I assume him millions of people do but I don't know how famous he was before this is the same as the guy who plays Sol forgive me if I sound ignorant but it's just one of them I just don't know Sol is the only active name I'm not taking down actually but even just going across with the likes of like Andy Garcia and uh, then the younger guys like Damon you've got Bernie Mac in there it, it just works very very well everyone knows their role in this I, I don't doesn't feel like anyone was jostling for position or anything like that. It, it just works very nicely. Yeah. No, exactly. Carl Rayner. Sorry. Uh, Carl Rayner was incredibly famous, actually. I said about some of the stories from filming. Uh, the lead cast members all lived at the Bellagio during filming, each in separate 7,000 square foot villas. Unbelievable. George Clooney had a keg of Guinness installed in his dressing room. And 
I mean, I, I don't know uh, if he necessarily floats your boat, but just from memory, George Clooney and Brad Pitt are probably like the two biggest heartthrobs on the planet at this point as well. Like it, they right. couldn't have picked like anyone better. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Just all works very well. And then Julie, Julia Roberts, in terms of uh, an actress, she's famous at this point. Well, an article has gone out saying that she now takes a minimum of 20 million for every single film that she does. Yeah. And so to get her all, get her on board as well, it, it, it couldn't have been done any better. I wanted to ask you... Julia Roberts, by the way, just as a random thing, it was named People Magazine's Most Beautiful Woman in the World a record five times. Blimey. That's what you need. That's what you need for this film. Yeah. Uh, I don't... I don't understand it, because Eric Roberts, her brother, was something phenomenal like that. It's not a great-looking map. I'm going to say something about Julia Roberts here. I don't know how horrible it's going to sound from, from me. Is part of that where you say the the voting there is she does look like a normal person. Like she looks almost like an older version of the girl next door type. She, she shouldn't be, but she probably looks like an attainable type for a lot of people. And that probably goes a long way. I don't think that is. I think I said that quite well. And it's also wildly untrue, I think. I don't think it's true, but it's the, it's the same way that people say about Drew Barrymore. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I'm not sure about her take, I'll be honest. Just going by uh, what I read. I saw what I saw about Julia Roberts earlier, and it's been in my head ever since. And someone said that they really don't like her. They don't see why she had this casting. And someone's asked why. And they said she looks like she could eat a bacon cheeseburger in one bite. And that was their selling point as to why they didn't like it. I don't think she has a particularly big mouth. No comment? Even No, no, even, I mean, it's just a weird thing to exclude someone on the basis of regardless. <laughs> Maybe they were a fan of someone else at the time. What I was about to ask you was, I was thinking there's almost two different types of heist movie if you wanted to break it down and you've got a bunch of heist movies where they need the money and you've got a bunch of heist movies where they want the money and this falls into the want category probably alongside uh, the likes of Point Break Italian Job Den of Thieves Heat even and then you've the need category and we've got a nice contrast here when we do Dog Day Afternoon in terms of like needing the money Hell or High Water, another one. I guess Inception, if you want to go down that path. And do you think there's far more scope for almost like styling when you have the production of wanting it? Because you're usually going for something far more slick. You're doing the tuxedos, you're doing Vegas, that kind of thing. Of the needs are usually far more grungy. Needs to be more. Needs to be grittier because it has to be more urgent. The stakes have to be higher. There's low stakes. You don't need, you rarely do you need something that's low stakes. No, and you can also add a level of coolness then, can't you? To the one. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're doing this because you want it. That I want this to be mine. Whereas if you need to, if to need something, it's really in terms of money, to need this, you're typically desperate. 
yeah. desperation should remove the chance to be cool because it should it, be done. It should then the 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 need is quite often the fast paced films. We should be the fast paced films we talk about because everything has to be frantic. It's on a deadline, etc. Yes, um, Steven. Sorry. No, go go go, please. I was going to say, Steven Soderbergh said that he didn't want any characters in this film to get seriously hurt in the movie. He said it's probably the least threatening film I've ever made, and that was conscious on my part. I don't think you could do that if it was a needing the money situation, because you probably need to go all out. This, you've got more range to yeah, be fancy with it, as we said. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you can almost uh, make way for the violence with I'm in a Vegas casino. I'm sneaking. I'm sneaking through. There's, I'm exploding into a bank vault, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. No. Exactly. What do you think about the setting up of the heist scenes? In terms of how they arrive, or yeah. Well, I guess in terms of how they've done, um, like they give you. I think it may be parodied in something like Rick and Morty. They give you so much information that it doesn't have to make sense. It just has to sound like it makes sense. And then everything around it, you can see a couple of explosions. You can see him doing backflips and all of that. And it yeah. keeps you entertained. And they just you've got enough little bullet points where you're like, okay, they need to get from A to B, B to C. And yet it still is set up like you're, you're understanding that something cool is going to take place. Yeah. No, I get that. I do get that. Um, do I do, do I, I do, yes, I do like the way it's set up. I love the way it arrives it, but maybe for different reasons. I just, it's hard for me to say because I do just genuinely enjoy this film. And I love the way it sets up and the way it comes together and you fold this part in and this part in as you learn as to what each character is going to do. Yeah, they they were gonna have more explosions in the scene where they're blowing up the hotel while I think it's Don Cheadle's watching on the TV. Yeah, but it was just after nine eleven, and they were gonna blow up about three or four different hotels, and then they were told it probably wouldn't be a good look, and so went against it. Fair point. But if you get the DVD at a time when the extras on a DVD were everything, you can watch back those scenes while they talk about them. Hmm. Yeah, DVD commentary. Some of them used to be so bad, but some of them used to be so, so good. Yeah, I thought, I mean, I like the film anyway. Uh, I, The Ferris Bueller one where he's talking about all of that, especially in the gallery scene, is one of my favourites. But there was a thing, wasn't there, like the Tropic Thunder one where they started, people would do it in, like, character for a comedy and yeah. one of these that other I things. That I didn't need. I'd rather the actors just have a relaxed chat and say, oh, what about this, what about that? And, yeah, you can almost just insightful. listen to some of them like a podcast on YouTube sometimes because if you've seen the film that many times, you don't need to see it in front of you to hear what they're talking about. You can just hear the conversations as it goes. Yeah, no, no, I can understand that. The heist then, in actuality, what we see where you've got Clooney being taken into the room and beaten up or not beaten up. You've got uh, Lennox and Klitschko uh, going toe-to-toe what do you think about how they actually do the heist and everything that goes into it, whether it's the soundtrack, where, how it's shot, just in general, how this is put together? Love it. I really do. I, I just I do like the way the heist plays out with the cameras and so on and the laser. And, and I 
cannot remember his name. And I, uh, I'm not going to, I'm going to Google it. Sorry, excuse me. I don't know who you're referring to. I'll tell you in a second. Yen. Um, yep. With him messing around in the vault and stuff yeah. on his craft. Um, I really do. It's, it's good as well. They give you all of these standard heist moves, even just little things like the lasers. And I, have been, and I thought for a second they were going to go down on the ropes while trying to avoid all of the little crosshairs on the lasers. There's a lot of fan service in the film. Uh, but I, I'm not saying that's a, that's a bad thing. I think with this type of film, with this kind of cast, the fan service, they knew exactly what we wanted to see. And then they gave it us in probably a better way than we could have imagined it taking place. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I think it's really shot well. Um, I think it's shot really well as, uh, as well. Yeah. And I, I don't think the twist is on the same level as something like uh, The Usual Suspect, but it gives you the same grin when you do see it happen. That moment almost just before it's said to you on screen where you've just put the pieces together and then you can smell like, ah, okay. And then you're on board with them and it's just a nice moment when you get to see kind of the highest play out of seeing someone else get outsmarted and especially when you get the reaction shots of them piecing it together. That's always good mm. in a heist film. Yes, it is, yeah. And Andy Garcia does it very yeah. well. Yeah, he um, just looks like a villain, doesn't he? Does, he does. Andy Garcia in that scene when he figures it out, it looks like glass is actually shattered inside his brain. But it, it looks as though the like the proverbial penny has absolutely dropped. Well, because he he's hit some great lines at that point as well, hasn't he? With the look, I hope you don't get caught buying a two hundred thousand dollar car or whatever it is. Mm. All very good, and then when you get to see that person on the losing side after being as smug as they have been, even better. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you like you say, he plays a good villain because you do ultimately want him to lose, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, if we were to have a look then at the cast and actually, no, before we get to that, I have one more thing. Um, one of the characters in particular did annoy me, and I wonder if you can guess who that would be character annoyed you Mm. oh uh was it ruben no it was tess the absolute nerve of this woman how much does she think of herself that she can sulk that someone's choosing 165 million over her the absolute nerve of it and before we even get there she's with Danny Ocean originally knows he's a thief yes then he gets pinched for being a thief and she's like hang on a minute you didn't come back from the shop so I'm not even going to visit you in prison to have this conversation you're on your own moves on I think they mentioned that she's with um, Benedict then for not particularly long. In that time, he has the chance, 165 million or her, 
he takes the 165 million bizarrely his entire business his livelihood and just probably what he'd rather have and you get the hump about that and then not only that she then runs straight back to Danny Ocean nothing new has been revealed in this time if anything I think it's a character flaw for him (laughs) that he does this elaborate scheme just to do a well let me just show you as much as I care about you how little this guy thinks of you and then she's running after him waiting four months and being there for when he gets out of prison I'm sure which is no coincidence the fact that he's got an extra 13 million in his back pocket the cheek of it yeah I would imagine the the 13 mil does play into, into it somewhat um, she's got well some nerve four, does well to only do four months by the way yeah very well but, um, even while the heist is taking place she's turning her nose up at Rusty she's turning her nose up at him I know you're pulling a job but maybe she feels guilty because ultimately she has some involvement if anything she should be angry the fact that he's pulled her in on it because at this point she doesn't hate Benedict so she's been used as a part of a scheme, but no. She's chasing after him down the street saying, that's my husband. Disgrace she is. But anyway. maybe, I, maybe I just get sucked in by the fact that it's Julia Roberts because I've never <laughs> heard. I, I've never, never, I've never, chewed, I've never chewed her out like that. But, and this, <laughs> this is going to be a wild scenario to get into. I won't ask you to tell me who it is. You can tell me if you want. Whoever you think the goat is. Now, if on top of that, you have some kind of connection with them romantically, are you still are you taking that over $165 million? Sorry, repeat the question to me. I think I've got a bit confused. So in, in this hypothetical situation, mm-hmm. you're calling... I don't know. Emily Ratajkowski, you're calling her the goat. Okay. In this scenario, not only do you know her, you're romantically involved with her. Yeah. You've been in a relationship for a short period of time. No matter how you feel there, I've got to think, if you're told her or 165 million, dropping it like it's hot. Goodbye. And so for her... so for I her to think... Of, I don't believe any of my siblings listen to the pod. Shame. But we move. Um, but I would like all of them to know that I'd drop any... Each, I would drop them all for 165 mil. And yet, she, and yet she takes offence. Yeah. <laughs> He's not going to be doing that. I mean, some nerve. Mm. Well, she's been for enough already. I think she's had it quite all right to be to be honest with you yeah you would well she has she was with a thief he leaves her behind and she falls into the, the arm of one of, of the wholeest man in vegas yeah the only thing i've said the only i've said this on other pods as well about other films once you know what you sign up for exactly but once you once you've locked in and you know what you've got you've got to take what comes with that if you're happy for the good times when he's feeding and you're out living the high life You've got to stand by him whilst he's in the jail. Last thing before we do the the recastings. Um, is is there an argument that if you've got Matt Damon, 
you could use him a bit more. I don't know if you mess up the rotation minutes in in that instance. Is is Matt Damon perhaps underutilized in this? I'm gonna say no with the knowledge of two and three. Okay, okay. So maybe just one singularly as you watched it, I could understand what you're saying. But with the yeah. knowledge and I, I I can't maybe for the, well, I suppose maybe for the character did that did it, did it, would it's not like today, is it where you, you book one and they'll probably give you a sequel before you even no. put one into the cinema. So maybe not, but for the character concerned it it comes and comes. Um, so okay. I w- yeah I'd say no as a whole. Yeah. In, in terms of recastings, if we were if you were making Ocean's Eleven in 2022, now I think some of these are harder to do as we said with some of the more obscure roles of the Eleven. Um, Danny Ocean c- could that be anyone else today than Leo DiCaprio? So I don't think it would end up being Leo. I think it would end up being someone like Tom Hardy. I don't know if uh, Tom Hardy's got that charm about him. No, I can, I somewhat agree, but I think that's what it would end up being, or is this just my dream? Oh, well, no, this is a kind of somewhat if you were casting the same roles just with today's star power, I guess. Uh, yes, he would go Leo. He would he would get chucked in. Um, who would you I've... want? Who would you want alongside him? So you're saying Leo is Danny? It's fine, no, no problem. No. Who would you want as your your Brad Pitt? I went Michael B. Jordan. Do like that. And I also now really want to see those two in a film together. Yeah, I think you think you think you're on something good there. I really do. Because the Matt know? Damon I thought was a bit harder. I thought someone like Andrew Garfield for Matt Damon. I don't mind that. Zac Efron was the alternative if you're going for the slightly younger. Zac Efron as a Zac Efron in in the pit role is a great shot. The pit role, okay, yeah, I can see it. Maybe maybe I bring Miles Teller in for the Damon role. I like Andrew Garfield. Maybe, and if I can see Miles Teller without what we've heard about him, maybe I can take it back. But we stand with JB. The Bernie Mac, Frank Catton role. If you're going with someone of similar levels of uh, like comedic ability, that's probably going to be that's probably a shoe in for Kevin Hart today, isn't it? They love yeah, give me sad the entertainer. Spoon him into films or Chris Rock. Give me Cedric the entertainer in there. Spooning him in. Who's uh who's being uh, Ruben? Move on. Jeff Goldblum? No, no, no. Too old. Jeff Goldblum now is 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 the same age that uh, Elliot Gold was. Sorry, Ruben, I was thinking of the wrong person. Huh. Earlier, when you asked me, you annoyed you actually. But I thought my answer wasn't Ruben at all. It was Livingston. It was Livingston that I was thinking of. Yes, you're completely correct, Josh. You can give me Jeff Goldblum in place of uh, in in place of um, Elliot Gould. The uh, would also take Jeff Bridges, but he might be a bit old. Nice. Um, I do like Jeff Bridges. The the Virgil and Turk roles I thought were hard. You'd probably in today's game you'd get someone like 
get Tom Holland gets tuned into every kind of babyface role. Timothy Chalamet, maybe. <laughs> or well, you bring someone across from TV. Be, what's the young kid in, in Baby Driver called? I wouldn't mind him going into it. Oh, um, last guy, I looked it. I looked him up earlier. Ansel Elgort. Ansel Elgort, yeah. I've never been the best that. <laughs> who who's being dealt because it's another one where it's hard to get like this is the peak of his uh stardom like this is the biggest film he does if i was just casting with any star power i could see joseph gordon levitt in that role spectacularly well, it's living stuff yeah but no he's too cool it's too cool yeah that, I, just, I don't know because gordon levitt can it. play that down in films give it one on seth green okay i like it i like it um, Who, who's taken over from Don Cheadle, and why is it Michael Pena? It could well be Michael Pena. Anyone <laughs> um, else? I'd want something British. Keep it British because he's got that terrible accent. So I was just trying to think. Is anyone from this side of the water? I'd want. I mean, if we go in similar accents, maybe you get Charlie Hunnam in there. Fucking <laughs> genius, just as bad. Uh, Tell you, I would Martin Compton. Martin Compton, I would put in for Livingston Dow. Okay. Yeah, a line of duty. Sol Bloom. Uh... See, I think this is that. I I know who I'd like. Who? This is wild. I'd want Morgan. All right, we've gone very different ways. I've got Wayne Knight then. Too old, too young, no? Uh, sim- same age as. Uh... When this was filmed, these are all within five years of the actor when okay. it was being filmed. Yeah, just in the background, that little bit of age and experience. Give me more. Just he'd just be like a great free transfer. You'd be yeah. on the football manager yeah. and in the championship. You just bring in an old boy who's been there, done it. Try to bring you up. Like I once did. Once did with Rivaldo at the age of forty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I was ready to quote that before you even said it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I love that story. Get panned. Who's your Benedict? Who is my Terry Benedict? I've got two options. Is one of them still Andy Garcia? Because I definitely no. still take Andy Garcia behind it. Um, hold on. I'm not good at I'm not good at stuff like this unless I've seen something recent. I'm trying to think. Have I seen anything recently where someone was, in, was somewhat sinister? I really enjoyed. Can you see Colin Farrell? No. I took down Colin Farrell or Carl Urban. Can't see either. Can't see him as kind of the boyfriend. No, no, I don't. No, I don't. Just no, not quite. Um, maybe Colin Farrell more so than Carl Urban. I was quite pleased with the Colin Farrell show. I don't know. I mean, they're not, they're not, 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 I don't know. I just wouldn't do a lot for me. That. Oh, I mean, um, I, I couldn't think of anyone for Yen either, so probably leave that one. <laughs> no, it's just, no, that's, that's fair. I don't, Get Ray Mysterio not sure in. About, not sure about Terry Benedict. Um, what, what? You can have a think. If we if got anything to add, we'll go on to Dog Day Afternoon. The guy in, I'm sure he's in, is it Inception? 
TV is in this option. He was in a TV show, so I called White Collar. His name was Matt Bomber. Like him. Google him, you'll see why. It's effortlessly charming. Did you appreciate his work in Magic Mike? Did you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's fine. Oh, look. Oh, he's got it. He's in the Nice Guys as well, which we're doing in a couple of weeks. You ever seen that before? Yeah, I have, yeah. Oh, good. I know TK's a big fan of that as well. But if you're ready, we'll move on to Dog Day Afternoon. Okay. How about the people at the bank? I dare keep me alive. I'm going to let him out. Al Pacino, Dog Day Afternoon. A true story. But there's a way out of this thing. I'm telling you, there's a way out. Hello, Sonny. You're on the air. We're entertainment, right? What do you, what do you, what do you got for us? The most you're going to get is five years. You get out in one year, huh? Kiss me. Dog Day Afternoon, rated R. Now playing at a flagship theater near you. Okay, so the synopsis. Three amateur bank robbers plan to hold a bank, a nice simple robbery, walk in, take the money, and run. Unfortunately, the supposedly uncomplicated heist suddenly becomes a bizarre nightmare as everything that could go wrong does. Had you seen this before? No. Okay, I'll get your opinion in a moment then. What do you think the critics think? Mm, mixed bag. Okay. Every performance in this film is a thing of beauty. Al Pacino delivers what might be his best performance. Certainly top three. Strong performances and forward-thinking situations make this political thriller an exceptionally vibrant experience. Enjoyable and even exciting at the start, Dog Day Afternoon degenerates to frustration and tedium toward nightfall, an experience no less painful for the audience than for the actors. Finally, Lume channels Pacino's relentless energy into a sustained and blackly comic study of hopeless desperation. I think hopeless desperation sums up this film quite nicely, to be honest. Yes, it does, yeah. So, the the real events of this case took place in 1972, and a Life magazine article that inspired the film described Robert uh, John Wojtovich, if I've pronounced that correctly, as a dark, thin fellow with the broken-faced good looks of an Al Pacino or a Dustin Hoffman. And I, Did you see the picture I sent you of him today, where he looks just like De Niro? I haven't seen it, no, sorry. It'll be on your WhatsApp, about three messages up. It's He looks scarily like taxi driver De Niro. Sorry, one second. Let me find it for you. Well, uh, I couldn't believe it. Does look a lot of yeah. <laughs> like a young De Niro. Are you sure that's not just a young De Niro? I'm sure. I even because I even I saw it uh, in an article where I actually had to search to make sure someone wasn't just duping me with, with a picture of De Niro. Mm, it really does look a lot. Like, so the real story. I, I'm going to tell you a bit about that in, in, okay. in a moment. I've got a question for you. Yeah, go on. Well, so 
Was it the same? Was it like with the operation and stuff? Do you want me to talk you through the base of the true story first, and then we'll get into the film? Yeah, if you if you wish. Yeah. So part of the reason there are some differences. So Sidney Lumet deliberately chose not to look at any of the footage of what actually happened that day, for the same reason as he didn't want to use any of the footage um, from their wedding, as they say it was so over the top that it would have alienated viewers. Um, the, the basis of the story is very much correct. Uh, John Wojtovich recruited uh, two accomplices, Sal Naturale and Bobby Westenberg, an 18-year-old Sal. Uh, I'll get into the casting of that and why it's a 30, 40-year-old man instead of that, and 20-year-old Bobby Westenberg. Um, they stay over at a motel the night before. They, As in the film, they've got some information where they say the money's going to be dropped off there. They're going to go in, take it, and run. Um, uh, where am I looking? Uh, John, at that time, has had a string of uh, gay lovers. He's been married previously. They say he experimented for the first time when he went uh, to Vietnam in the training and then he came back and essentially he was just cheating on his wife constantly. Um, one of the people that he was sleeping with, he, he falls in love with. They're telling him that they want a sex change. Try to, he says, no, you're being ridiculous. They try and kill themselves as is referenced in this film. And so as soon as that happens, he goes out of his way to try and get the money to, uh, fund this something that is interesting and i'll ask you a bit more about it in a minute is the portrayal of Vojtovich in being this almost desperate anti-hero almost mm. now a lot of the media coverage is accurate and the way it's portrayed in this is accurate but they portray him and largely because they didn't have too much information on him outside of this life magazine article he wasn't perhaps as nice of a man as you can be when you're going into robbing a bank. There was a documentary that came out a couple of years ago called Dog. And just a quote from it, he says, uh, the night before the robbery, uh, Vojtovich and his accomplices, uh, Sal and Bobby, stayed in a New Jersey hotel. Vojtovich had agreed to pay Westenberg 50000 for his assistance. For that money, he wanted more than a partner in crime. He's quoted as saying, I grabbed a hold of Bobby Westenberg and I wanted to fuck him because he used to dress up as a girl. He said, I don't want you fucking me. And I said, I'm giving you 50,000 and you're going to tell me I'm not getting a fuck out of it. So I did. I know that's a bit graphic, but I just wanted to make the point that he's not this desperate guy who this is the love of his life that he's trying to get this surgery for. Yeah. They say he signed up for um, the GAA, which was the Gay Something Alliance at the time. And yep. he disrespected a lot of people there because I think it's the Gay Army Alliance, actually. Uh, he disrespected a lot of people because he was using it as almost like a dating club. He was being very upfront, very open with a lot of these people and just harassing them. And this is almost him at his most desperate breaking point. Uh, the crime turns into a 14 hour circus. 2000 onlookers were outside of the bank. He did throw money out into the crowd. Bobby Westenberg, like in the film, bails before the crime got underway. And Sally's killed by the FBI. Um, 
he ends up serving five years in prison and that's it. He yeah. gets out and kind of as a symbol of his character, he applied for a guard position at the Chase Manhattan Bank after his release. He's just a lunatic. Once he'd sold the film rights to the story, he did actually use the money for Aaron's operation. But yeah. she she got the surgery. She's now Liz. And then told him she never wants to see him again. Um, he tried to slit his wrists, but survived and uh, ended up back and forth from prison for breaking his parole. Yeah. It's a wild story. And it was quite unheard of for the film to be made quite this soon. Like within three years of it happening, they're making a film about it. It is a quick turnaround, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think even with Wahlberg did the one about the Boston bombing, the Boston Marathon bombings, didn't he? And even that was said that it was too soon and there was more time between that and this. Um, hmm. Yeah, the, the, the base of it is correct. He took these people hostage. By the end of the situation, they were on his side. Attica that's referenced in the film that was an improvised scene by the way when he runs out screaming that was a prison uprising demanding better rights that ended with police just getting authorization to go in there and open fire and killed about 40 people so it was very on topic and more than this is spoken about as being somewhat of a comedy in places but more than the crime itself it was supposed to be something symbolising the relationship between the media and true crime and a lot of these things that go with it. So it's deemed an outrage that he didn't get the Oscar for this, Pacino. Yes, this was... Oh, he had a lot of... Um, a lot of near misses, really, didn't he? Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, but this is the one that people always say he should have won it for. Do you know who did win, win the Oscar? Yeah, it was... Um, is it Jack Nicholson for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? I don't know if we find out. I'm almost certain it is because I read it. <laughs> I read it earlier, so I'm just quoting it back wrong. Yeah. If not, um, I let's have a look on a cause only for so much intrigue. Then. Uh, so what would this be? This would have been 1975. It would have been the 76 Oscars, though, wouldn't it? Winners and nominees. Let's have a look. It best wins the best screenplay, was. I'm fairly certain. Best actor was indeed Jack Nicholson. That's for one for over the, the cookies nest. Yeah. Walter Matthau, Maximilian Schell, and James Whitmore uh, were the other nominees. So he almost didn't play the part. He'd initially agreed to take on the part of Sonny, but right before production was due to start, Pacino told the director that he couldn't play it. He said that he'd only just finished The Godfather Part 2 and he was just physically exhausted and quite depressed after the shoot. He said because how much he relied on method acting and really getting into the role, he just couldn't hack the thought of working himself into such a state of near hysteria every single day. Um, Quite unhappy about it, but still accepting, Lume said, "Okay, we're going to move on and sent the script out to Dustin Hoffman. Pacino heard about this and said, yeah, you're not giving that to one of my main rivals and quickly jumped back on board and did the, did the role. I also think he would have done a very, he would have done a fantastic job in this. 
yeah, it's just one of these. Now, once you've seen Pacino do it, it's hard to envisage anyone doing no, no, it in quite the same way. No, yeah, I think he would have been different, but I do also think he would have done a very good job of it. Yeah, I mean, he's a great actor, isn't he? So it's always yeah, disrespectful. It's hard to say. You couldn't... Um, so yeah, John Cazale's role as Sal was originally intended for an 18-year-old, which was the real age of uh, Sal. But he was cast on Al Pacino's insistence. He says, despite the fact of the age difference, you need to cast this guy. He says he's been working with him for two years. He's brilliant. And his ability is going to outshine, ultimately, the truth in this case. The director was quite against the idea, but they brought him in to read for the part, and they say within about five minutes, it was a difference that he got over quite quickly. Fair enough. I do think even the smaller roles, and I'm not saying Kazali is a small role in this, but there's so many that play it just spot on in this. Um, I had to look him up. Uh, Charles Durning, who plays Sergeant Moretti, is great in this just in doing the negotiations at the start of the film the panic in his voice when uh sonny casually asks for a beer with the pizzas and he's having to kind of talk him back down to the soft drinks yeah it just seems like for something that came together so quickly so much care went into this with um the way they set it up they got everyone in for the reads which i know we've spoken about before de niro is a huge fan of literally just getting people in a room and, and reading as a lot of the big productions do, but some of the bigger actors perhaps think they're above that. Um, while in that, he told them all that they could improvise. When you have someone like Pacino there, you need to let these guys work. And so many of the smaller roles, they just wanted people to feel natural. So they let people improvise all of these scenes a number of times and then actually rework the script, taking down the best parts of that. And that's why so much of this feels natural, where people are just walking around and just the little passing comments and the little snidey things that are going on. And so within this sense of just torment that's going through your two main characters, everyone else, despite sweating an unholy amount, feels like they almost blend into the background as they're supposed to. Yeah, yeah, very fair. Chino for this, I said about the what he was going to have to put himself through. They say he only slept a couple of hours a night he ate sparingly and would some would sometimes take cold showers just to rough himself up before filming um, and really drive home his, his disheveled and exhausted appearance. He wore no makeup for this. So everything you see of how exhausted he's he looks. Fucked. Yeah. Halfway through the production, they had to stop it. He collapsed from exhaustion and was hospitalized. Considering he didn't want it on the basis of on method. Not sleeping yeah. for an extended period of time is probably not wise. He seems like... And I know we always bring up like Jack and Jill, but for the most part, if you give him a serious actor and a serious thing, he's going to go all in. Mm. And I don't think he could half do this. And so I think once he says, I don't want Hoffman to have it, there was never a way he was going to do any half measures. No, exactly. If I'm doing it, I've got to go and do it, basically. After they finished this film, he stopped doing films for a while and went back to stage work because he said... That was just an easier life for him. Which is insane. I know. <laughs> because, A, it's live. That's fucking mental. Obviously, it's on time. But you think, like, if you're doing a stage run, what are we doing three shows a day? Maybe he quite liked the, the downtime he had for just learning the lines and things. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. I'm obviously not an actor. 
so I don't know, but I've always thought... Trying to understand Pacino is probably a tough thing to do anyway. Very tough, very tough. But I always, I always thought doing a film, no, you're on a budget, but if you're doing like a fucking 16-week run of a show, and you're doing yeah. three shows a day, like that's got, that has to be exhausting, right? Yeah. Just three-hour play, if it's a, you're on stage nine hours a night, nine hours a day. Maybe that speaks to what working on The Godfather and then Dog Day Afternoon was like. Maybe, maybe, maybe it does. Well, because off the back of that, he goes and does Godfather go Three. Yeah. <laughs> like if he wants to go, but if he wants to go back to it, then then it obviously it does. But like you'd think, like that's nine hours a day. He's got to know <laughs> that he's got Godfather Three coming up after, so maybe it's make it. Uh, no. Maybe he no, doesn't no. just want time off. But <laughs> no, 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 he wouldn't. No, he wouldn't have had Godfather Three so so soon. I mean, he's got Godfather 3 after this, is what I mean. So he knows he's got Godfather 3 coming up. What, after this film? If he's done Godfather 2, then he's got to know he's got Godfather 3 coming at some point. Not quite. What? They don't finish Godfather 2, and they're unsure of whether they're making a third, surely? Well, it took 16 years. Oh, okay. I didn't realise it was that far apart. I just assume he he knew at some point they're going to be getting it done. Well, 15, 16 years. So what was... In 95? Godfather 3, now you say that? Yeah, uh, 1990. So 75 to 1990. So it's 15 years, sorry. Definitely. Um, Maybe really did need that break there. Because they weren't going to make... The whole point was they weren't going to make a third. Strange. uh, For the Godfather. They did... um, It was just fucking... Francis Ford Capone needed the money, didn't he? He'd gone broke by then. They'd offered me to no, and then they offered again, and I'm sure that was what it did. Not a bad uh, fallback plan, trouble. is it? Yeah, obviously read, read about that, you know, like in your in your own time. But I'm sure it was because he, yeah. it came about basically because he well, he needed the money. I, I don't know if it would have been any more pressure, but Penelope Allen, who plays the main uh, chief bank teller, mm. she was somewhat of a surrogate mother to him after he first left home to pursue acting. He lived with her and her husband for several years. And so I think having her on the set as well probably didn't help with the pressure he was under. No, absolutely not. Um, in the original script, Sonny and his lover were supposed to take part in a scene outside the bank in which a heartfelt goodbye would take place along with a kiss. Pacino refused to do it. His reasoning was that it would take away from the phone conversation between Sonny and Leon. And so the scriptwriter was forced to make appropriate changes, and they just extended the telephone conversation instead. Some would say Pacino just didn't want to kiss another bloke, which up to him if he wants to do that or not. But at the same time, you almost can't hold anything against him. I, I texted you yesterday. This is like the height of Pacino's powers. Coming off the back of Godfather 2, I don't know how much credit you should give him for doing it but you can certainly acknowledge this is a big risk in his career particularly in 1975 if he he did this role now it would it would there'd be people kind of turning their lifting raising their eyebrows at it so yes and no i understand what you're saying and i'm sure there are certainly parts of the world where that would have been true but I, I don't want to insult anyone as I say this, but I don't really know how to say this. Well, I'm I mean, to say, I know I'll what I'm say, trying to say, but I don't want to insult anyone. 
No, I'll like say you, like I, I can say it for you. Sure. This is around the time. This is around the time of Andy War, Andy Warhol, Walk on the Wild Side, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it came to a consciousness in America, in certain places in America. You had places like Greenwich Village. You had the the, the scene in in New York in the early seventies and stuff. It's now well documented. So it had its moment. It was in within the consciousness. So it wasn't as though. 10 years before and maybe even 10 years afterwards when it and i put this in in quotation went away and it did but lost its place in the national consciousness possibly and new well, things think, took if, over if today someone at work said to you oh what film are you watching this week and you said dog day afternoon and they say, what's that about and you explain well al pacino is going to rob a bank ultimately he needs, he needs to get the money to pay for his transsexual lover's sex change yeah People are going to raise eyebrows and be like, "What? What are you watching?" That's yes, not, not necessarily. Even if it's more accepted, it just feels like for Pacino, that's quite a risk to take when you hear about some of the other things that people weren't prepared to do around the same time. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's hailed as quite a progressive film for the yes, time. I, I I completely agree that it is, but I think I don't in terms of. I suppose there's a I suppose there's a difference between something being in a consciousness and capturing it and putting it on screen, and that's always the point. Would you the, say the, the that encounter. for Pacino, who probably has the pick of anything that he wanted to do at that time, it's pro- it's certainly a bolder choice it, than it what, he out, thought, it, what else from, he could have had. From what you're saying, it turns out he didn't want to do it; he was just doing it so Dustin Hoffman couldn't. Well, he wanted the role, but he wanted a break. Ultimately, he didn't want to go straight into it. And so he was prepared to turn it down until it was Dustin Hoffman. He had already accepted the role at that stage, but then pulled out later on. Mm. It's just, uh, it was an interesting one for me because we did Basic Instinct last week and there was such a thing made of the representation for um, bisexual women in there and uh, lesbian women. And it was only in this when I was reading reviews of the time and things that people were saying and they were having these characters but they weren't portraying them in any kind of patronising way any kind of mocking way they were pursued they were portrayed as real characters in the scene when uh, the sex change uh, Leon sex change is first mentioned there's like one police officer that kind of sniggers in the background and a couple of them turn to almost give him a look and that's really the only time outside of the the crowd when he's patting down the uh, ambulance guy that's the only time any light is really made of it and so i don't know maybe it's projecting the stereotypes of today back then in how big of a move it felt i just thought certainly when i was looking at last week and that's 20 years later and what people were still saying that it just stood out to me you might well be right, mate. You might well be right, but I don't know. They said when doing Basic Instinct that there was never a gay or bisexual character that wasn't portrayed as being weird or a villain or something like that, and there was never any depth to their characters. And yeah. It just seems that's that's the opposite. Maybe it's easier when it's a true story. I don't know. But yes, though, that that was the case. Like that is the case in so many films that because yeah. they're gay, they're an outcast, they're an outsider, they're odd, they're weird. 
which and they, they, as a villain, I would say villainized or demonized almost in so many films, or the point, or made a point of comedy, which obviously ain't, which is it, it, gay people are none of those things because they're gay. If they're any of those yeah. things, it's because they're odd. That's, uh, it's, it's that fucking it's that fucking simple. But it's a case of yes, they were because they were different, and yeah, and the, to be made to be demonized. The casting of uh, Sarandon as Leon is so good in that phone call they have, Tremendous. where some of it, some of that is improvised, and they actually you get a kind of a long angle at the start of the scene, and then they only cut start kind of cutting and mixing it up later in because they just realized what gold they were having they didn't intend that to be the take they were going to use and so they yeah. had to set up new cameras whilst they were acting that out to be able to uh, edit it properly and you do really get the sense in that despite the fact this is the first time they're speaking in the film you get a sense that they've already been through like hell together as a couple and this bank robbery is is just shit on top of that it's so well done that they both just seem just utterly finished. The way Pacino throughout the film gets more and more fidgety and shifty and he starts kind of screwing his face up and he's licking his lips more as it goes on. He keeps kind of rocking his shoulders back and forth like because he's tense and stretching out. Just the, the little things like that. I just couldn't imagine anyone other than Pacino doing this. Not to say they wouldn't do the same kind of thing, but just to see him develop that in front of you is it, is just so good. It's one of the best performances that I can remember seeing. It's really stood out to me since rewatching it again. Yeah, that was fair. Um, and it's it's certainly not a rewatchable film if we were to compare it to Ocean's Eleven, which we'll be doing very shortly. But it's not meant to be, is it? It's almost supposed to be uncomfortable, even in the scenes where not a lot's happening. There's just an air of something where they maintain the tension, even with no backing music to kind of support that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I agree. It's um, I do like the way this film does build and build its own tension. Because even the music you get at the start, in the end, it's... it's called off as like incidental music from radios or a TV. Um, It's it's just, it's it's really good. Um, I just had something else down here. Okay, so the ending. It's It's a perfect example, really, of how a predictable ending can still come off as heartbreaking. Yes. I was reading... And I took a quote down that someone said, for a movie to contain a true tragedy, it must not be have a surprise ending. A tragic hero needs to feel foredoomed, and the piece revolves around the audience wanting the character to evade the untoward fate that's clearly in store for them, and feeling sad when the characters fail to do so. And the second the police arrive outside the bank here, you know there's no way they can possibly get out of this unscathed. And even still, whether you're rooting for them or not, you're at least saying, don't do this. What Every time he kind of steps out of the bank, it's like, what are you doing? Get back in when the hostages are asking to go to the toilet and he's letting them go. And it's like, just get out of there. 
the whole way through, it, it just really does keep you on tenterhooks. Well, in some instances, not a lot's happening. Yeah, no, of course. It's, it does do well. It's, I, I think any hostage film is, because it, 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 the beauty of hostage films is there's such, it is just a tense situation. I can't imagine there's ever been a chill hostage situation. No, so the, it, the ones at the start of this film are as irritating as you, as you can get. Yeah, you're tearing off on the hostage ships last, last night. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. But it's just a case of, like, in terms of building it, it just allows you to, to weave in, you can weave in so many different things, move in so many different places. It really is fantastic. And I guess because maybe this is a bit different because the hostages don't act like every other hostage does. Mm. And so there's just something, there's something to it there because they obviously sense these aren't professional bank robbers. These are guys that have never done this before. Quite obviously, like they're almost mocking in the sense of, well, did you not plan this out? Like, what information did you get? And he's saying, oh, I got the information from Skip or whatever it is. Oh, Skip yeah. clearly didn't give you the right information. Yeah, imagine um, strolling in and finding 1,100 notes. Oh, uh, even knowing Someone's what was going to happen again, I was like, oh, no, what are you doing? Someone's going. And I know that sounds terrible. <laughs> if I stole in, so I'm going to jail. Yeah. I'm going to jail for life. You've seen Breaking Bad, haven't you? Yes. The, the only close thing I could really get to was when he gets home and Skylar's giving the money away when he's in the kind of in, in the floorboards yeah because just the the helplessness as he clearly realizes like what the hell have we done is brilliant the bank manager is probably the best hostage you're ever going to get he's the most helpful guy you can ever find after he has his little moment at the start when he goes to trigger the alarm with the dodgy key mm. after that he gets the chance to get out and he comes back there for the workers only wants to save his people yeah well part of it is the the workers turning against the police while they're in the building and it doesn't sense like it's supposed to be a stockholm situation kind of thing it's the recent events obviously as they quote attica and just the way the police are and they're so aggressive as perhaps they should be in this situation and they're so overbearing and they're so brash with the way they're handling the situation. You've got these guys inside that are tragic. I think tragic is probably the best way to describe them. They're sympathetic throughout. The workers are almost on their side by the end of it. Well, she gives uh, Sal her prayer beads, doesn't she? She's given her freedom, which they do still run to, by the way, so they didn't feel that safe. But you see that dynamic change as the film goes on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly, exactly, mate. I actually um, think one of the do. best... Sorry. No, no, go on. Go on. So I think one of the best scenes is when Sal asks the worker why she's smoking. Mm. And he questions it and she points out, you're a man of God, but you're robbing a bank. And you see that click with him, but very sad that he dies about three days after this film's released. Gets fucking iced in this as well, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Last night, a car comes quick. Yeah, it's bad as well. Put your gun in the air. 
Yeah, you know it's coming, don't you? As soon as he lifts that gun, one hand moves and his head just gets fucking blown off. It it's like uh, when you watch a film with jump scares for the second time because you know it's mm. coming, but you haven't quite got the timing down of it, and you're yeah. bracing yourself like a jack in the box. And for this, with each time he's telling him to move his gun, you know what's going to be happening. Even yeah. when he's asking if there's food on the plane, and he's like, "Yeah, we've got cheeseburgers on the plane." It's like you haven't got a cheeseburger. Go get me a cheeseburger. <laughs> Some restraint not to have any of that pizza, by the way. He says he's not eating all day. Yeah, bet he wishes he had a bit. <laughs> <laughs> if Sonny says to you. Which foreign country do you want to go to, Keenan? I'm assuming you're not saying Wyoming. Uh, where are you taking? I don't have another extradition. <laughs> uh, yeah, somewhere with no extradition treaty, which in 1975, I think the list would have been a lot longer than it is now. Yeah, you're across to Mexico for Sicario 3. Mexico. Um, yeah, I don't don't know. If you said, where do you want to go? And they like, you're actually like, I could get away with it. You'd probably go to Thailand or Vietnam. I'm going back there. Somewhere cheap. I can live yeah. like a king for a while. Some more Chang roulette. Thanks. Still couldn't wrap my head around that after you and Goff had said it. About it's, it's a well known bottle, phenomenon. Yeah, just doesn't have the same amount of alcohol. I don't know what they're doing in these factories. Well, that's the point. No one does. They're not just, they're just no, it's just not regulated in any way, shape or form. <laughs> Like here, we stuff brewed for same amount of time, same amount of time, etc., yeah. etc., and to follow a process so that every if it says it's four point five, reach four point five, they're just knocking it out. You can have a bottle where it just it's You could drink the same. You could sit for an hour, for example, drink one bottle in twenty minutes. So drink one bottle in ten minutes, wait ten minutes, drink one bottle in ten minutes, wait ten minutes, and so on. Some nights you'd feel fine, but you be absolutely fine. Other nights you feel like, oh, I feel ropey. <laughs> And the nights where you felt ropey, they were always the sensational ones. Just before we go on to the judging, now in this, Sal says fairly early on, do you remember the deal we made? And the deal was, look, if this goes wrong and it looks like there's a sense, we aren't getting out of here. We're killing ourselves. Mm. How soon into that situation do you think you feel, yeah, this is done? (laughs) When there's 80 coppers outside. Yeah, so I mean, there's there's nothing... Say it's if the I'm two of this, us, maybe I'm, I'm not the most film. reassuring. Yeah, if me and you are in this film, we don't make it to the car full of police. We're no, already there's, gone. there's nothing I can tell you in that moment that, to, to reassure you. When I've walked outside with a hostage and I see all of those police officers, yeah. I pop back in and go, big man, it's time to go. <laughs> we're off, we're off. Right, to the hostages, apologies. You might as well go now one way or another also don't know if it's the case in 1975 but obviously gives his life insurance to your one yeah that yeah. kills himself that's all yeah well, that's automatically an exclusion yeah we nice both gesture. worked in that industry yeah it's a nice gesture but if you're going out that way unfortunately you lose you get nothing poor woman transcribing that by the way he keeps going i don't know <laughs> imagine you're on tv by the way you're robbing a bank all these circumstances have been exposed and your dad's in his armchair going, you see, this is what happens when he's got a mother just willing to uh, hand over all the money he asked for. Yeah, blames her instantly. 
Also, by the way, the thing that kills me about it is Dominic Keanese, right? Is yes. 83? Let's have a look. No, no, he's, he's I 91. know what you're about to say. <laughs> she's 91. Pacino is 82. There's a nine-year difference yeah. between them. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure on that one. Tough pay for ad. Yeah. Because he looks old at that point. I mean, I don't know how much makeup they gave him, but... Um, so there we go ultimately did you enjoy the film if you hadn't seen it before I did did enjoy the film I, I did, did by you the feel... way he's, he's 44 this film comes out he looks 62 who sorry Dominic Keanese oh yeah I thought you meant Pacino I was thinking that's a bit harsh no no he looks he looks like he should have retired. Yeah. He become. He looks. By the time Sopranos rolls around, with Grant is twenty something years later. He looks like he did a lot of aging in his thirties. Because he he does look older when he's playing junior. Yeah, yeah. He actually, the glasses don't help. He actually just looks nothing like that now. So odd. Kazali, by the way, his last five films go five for five at the Oscars. That's picking your roles. Just does bits. Yeah, he's he's great in this. He's great as Fredo. Um, They just give him a bit more hair in this one. Do him a favour. I thought... No, I thought watching these two back to back, and I don't know if you agree, you perhaps see the subtleties in the two of them a bit more just by the fact they are so polar opposites in, in the tone, in, in the ways they're directed, just everything about them. Mm. Like yes, Pacino and Clooney as your two leading men couldn't could not have more different roles in a film that ultimately is in the same bracket, in the same genre. Yeah, no, exactly. But it's that want and need thing again. Do you know? Yeah. It really is. that What we were talking about earlier, that is such a great example of it. And do you prefer a want over a need heist film? I think so. I think, I, think so. I prefer need, but okay. I probably I'm more inclined to watch a want than they're a need. Often, Just so much they're cooler. Often more light... Sorry, my head's on. Uh, they're often more light-hearted. For sure. All right, let's get into the judging here then. So which film did you prefer? Oceans. Yeah, I, I preferred Dog Day Afternoon. Uh, really, really uh, been thinking about it all day after watching it last night. Uh, which film do you think is more rewatchable? Oceans. Definitely agree with you there. What do you think is the best moment slash scene? Probably John Cazale getting done in Doctor. Okay. I would probably go the start, the start of the heist um, in in Dog Day, but fair enough. There was a lot to there was a lot to choose from. I think I think I'd probably have more. I would have more scenes from Oceans if I was doing a say list of ten, but the ones from Dog Day just just hit home a hit a bit better. Stunning. 
it's funny because I'm probably go the I would probably go the other way. I love oceans as a as a whole. Yeah, it just works as a whole for me. Did enjoy that. What's the quote where he asked him, uh, Damon? You're the son of such such. You're from Chicago, aren't you? Get your ass in the house. Yeah. He tucks his tail in and gets in there. That moment, by the way, if if you're not expecting to be the chief man on the heist and suddenly Brad Pitt sticking it on you, you can break into the vault, can't you? <laughs> I'm just here to make up the numbers. <laughs> like, what's this? Despite being almost always one of the most integral parts of the heist, it does all, always seem very derogatory when you're referred to as like the pickpocket of the group. Mm. Yeah, I yeah, know. Like you're pro- you're doing more heavy lifting than the hacker, but yeah. you're not getting that respect. No, that's completely correct. Best quote. Best quote. Well, let me re- refer to the the old notes. Try to give me yours. My mine is when he uh, he goes out screaming Attica. Even more so because it's improvised. They said they had obviously extras for those scenes, but the crowds just started filling up more and more every day just to get involved and be a part of this film. Yeah, there's a couple. There's so so many. Now that I'm thinking about it more in quotes, I'm now coming back to scenes in in Oceans as well. A lot of the meeting with Ruben is unbelievable. Um. I do love that. I, do, I, I genuinely do adore that. And he's like, look, if you were going to do it, what were you thinking of doing? Um, and then oh, the Bellagio, the Mirage. Um, I do also love the bit where, I do also love the quote where, he's like, where they're talking about a test and they have their little row. But I think I'm going to give it to Rusty giving the speech to Matt Damon because I do think I've yeah. almost got that memorised. Some some others I had down from Dog Day. Um, he says, uh, "It's your job, right? The guy who kills me. I hope he does it because he hates my guts and not because it's his job." It's a good kind of walk away moment. I understand that. The uh, Sal Wyoming's not a country was good. And when he's having to eventually just get his mum to leave him alone, he says, "Look, mum, I'm a fuck up and I'm an outcast, and that's it. You come near me, you're gonna get it. You're gonna get fucked over and fucked out." Feels harsh. Should have sent his should have sent his dad down there. He'd have got he'd have got him out. <laughs> he is extracting it. <laughs> there we go. Um, MVP. Got to be it's got to be sunny, right? No, I'm I'm going uh, ocean. Is that because he doesn't go? Don't get iced. Well, to be fair, Sunny doesn't get iced either, and he gets out of prison. Yeah. Within five years, so he's done yeah, pretty he, he well. Also, he also has a touch out, to be honest. Yeah, he, get, well, he gets out in five years and then gets out to a film deal. Uh, yes, yeah, I don't know what's so. Do you, uh, 7,500. So, 7,500 in 1975. So, do you, what do you reckon is the equivalent of today in US dollars? 15. 40. Okay. I imagine... We'd see it was way less. I think if it was today they were doing it, he'd actually get more than 40. 
My thinking is, and I don't have anything to back this up, I reckon they probably negotiated it while he was behind bars and got him at the right Maybe. time. Maybe. Maybe. That's not a bad point at all. So are you still going with Sonny for your MVP or are you going No, I, 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 I still am. I still am. Okay. Better heist crew. I think this one's fairly cut and dry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the one that got away with it. Well, that's the next one. Who got away with more? And that one's cut and dried too. Yes, it's Ocean's Eleven and Ocean's Eleven. Best soundtrack? Uh, Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. They do a lot in this in this film, and I saw it when I was just Googling uh, Clooney earlier. They do the big entrances in this, even when it's just like someone coming down an escalator, whether it's someone just kind of walking into the room. They do give the grand entrances that you'd expect for someone... Uh, of this caliber Mm. Clooney has a line in this about uh, the difficulties of transitioning from TV to film as well which obviously is placed in there quite ironically Uh, originality dog day afternoon agreed Uh, bigger impact oceans yeah I agree best opening scene oceans I'm going dog day there. I do love that little Danny getting released from prison. Wait, <laughs> yeah. my wife had left me. Well, my wife had left me. Do you think you got back to being a criminal? Well, she's hardly likely to leave me again. <laughs> always, yeah. always makes me chuckle. Yeah, that's good. And you get the sense of exactly who he is. All yeah, you need I'm is that sense of who, who he is very nicely. Best ending. Dog day, but I do like the bit when they come together at the end of Oceans. Yeah, with the the fountain and them leaving, they didn't mm, give them any yeah. order. They told them to just leave in the order of who felt right, and that's how they <laughs> put that scene together. <laughs> sure, want to be the first one to go, dear. No. Um, and best chemistry. Uh, for me, Oceans. I agree. Although I do think you can feel the sense that Pacino and Casale have worked together previously and that does really help yeah absolutely so 7-3 in the end felt like it was going dog days way at some point but I do think that's probably uh, the right decision overall and will give us a nice interesting matchup in the next round so that goes through to the next round I would just tell you now what we have next week barring any changes next week we have eastern promises against mr and mrs smith i've not seen either of those so i've never seen eastern promises but i've seen mr and mrs smith more than once there we go thank you again for listening to another edition of movie madness we'll be back goodbye